everybody. Welcome to the interview portion of our of our show. Um, I'm here with the writer of the metal fantasy epic, Sawyer Grinswitch. Say hi, Sawyer. Hey there. Sawyer, we are super excited to have you today. Um, I'm not joined by my co-host Emma. She is um, being visited by family. Um, but we we all we are all a huge fan of your work. Um, <laughs> the main cast was really excited when we when we started work doing this and I was I think I told you this before but I think it's beneficial for our listeners to also know this they were so excited about how how it sounded and how it read and they thought it was so funny and so class like so original when I did part two I had a couple main cast members you know tell me like please I want to be in this part <laughs> you know so um it was uh they were very we were just so tickled that we got to work on your on your piece and it was so much fun to do well, I'm, I'm honored that you guys enjoyed it so much because what honestly, uh, I always considered this script to be one of my more uh, throwaway works. Oh, I, I don't, I don't think so. I think I'm, I'm so, I'm so, oh, there's a part of me that, like, I mean, like, I love the whole thing. I'm just so bummed. Like it ends on this cliffhanger. I just want to know what happens in the rest of the, the rest of the story, what <laughs> happens with Abornicus and, um, the Sin Similian, and I, I love the new characters that are introduced in the second half, like Erasmus and Porphyrian. I would love, I just, oh, I'm so excited to one day find out where they go. And well, I got to, yeah, I yeah, got go to say that your guys's interest in my in my work was really, uh, was really kind of made me want to go back to it because I, I know I told you this before, but uh, be, uh before you ended up, uh, wanting to adapt my uh, my scripts i kind of had no real desire to go back to it oh but, uh, yeah because i i don't know it's just i i guess this is probably the longest thing i've ever written okay and uh it's not what i wouldn't say that i usually go for it's a I don't, I don't know just something about it didn't make me feel that uh i don't know but okay I, I just but the fact that you guys enjoyed it as much as you did hearing it being adapted so well it it, it makes me want to go back i feel like i i owe it to you guys <laughs> well we, you have fans now sawyer <laughs> <laughs> um i never thought the, that uh, that would be the case oh i think you you're underselling yourself um you're very talented um Thank let's you. let's let's talk about you as a writer um as we, we as we get this interview kicked off and we'll come back and talk about specifically um the metal fantasy epic but where where did you start writing like what was your kind of like what is your writer's journey like where did you first become interested in in um in writing and, and what medium do you do you see yourself writing the most in whether that be like television or, or movies or stage plays, where do you see yourself writing the most? I've been, I've been writing ever since I was a child. Uh, my, my father constantly reminds me of the fact that ever since even elementary school, I was uh, always loving to write. I was always very creative. And uh, I think initially I probably would have wanted to be a novelist, but, but ever since high school i think uh i especially had been wanting to be a screenwriter because i it was around that time that i truly really fell in love with film 
That's awesome. I, I remember like when I was like a kid too, I, I used to like to write and I, I would, I was definitely the kind of writer that would like, especially this is just me being a little kid. Like I used to kind of mimic, I guess, things that I really liked. Like I <laughs> loved Lord of the Rings. So I would like write my own version of Lord of the Rings and like, you know, <laughs> like stuff like that. Um, but I never really decided that I wanted to write until maybe a little bit after high school. Um, you know, and I, I kind of got into it around that time too, but that whole creative process was always so much fun to, you know, to, to conceive as well. Like I could definitely identify with that. Um, right. When you were in high school though, and you were starting to like, your interest was peaked in screenwriting. Did you have like a specific like influence? Like were there like, a, was there like a certain film or series of films or was there like a director or a writer that you kind of just really, you know, identified with? I do think that there is one movie that is largely responsible for making me be as interested in filmmaking as I am now. And that would probably be A Clockwork Orange. Oh, okay. Very cool. That's also a novel, right? <laughs> yes. And uh, I, I read it like immediately after seeing the film. Very cool. And what was it about A Clockwork Orange that was, that were, like really interested you? Like what was the, like what was the peak? Was it the was it like it's social because i know it's a satire um yes. if i'm not mistaken was it like it's satirical writing or was it like it's um were there were any particular elements that really stood out to you that you were just like i want to be that kind of a writer well nowadays I, I would love to say that it was because i was a huge fan of the uh of the the themes and the the, satir the satirical elements of it but admittedly i watched it when i was 15 years old so i think it would be a bit more accurate to say that my young self was more inspired by, uh, I think what it was, was uh, this just this dichotomy of this, this beautifully shot and just produced film. Because it's a Kubrick film and he is easily one of the best directors that, out there, one of my all-time favorites. But just seeing this dichotomy of this beautiful masterly crafted film with this just incredibly dark and disturbing subject matter i think that that's really what uh what affected me that's so interesting and oh you're you're so right about stanley kubrick i just i gotta i gotta comment on that like his films seem decades ahead of their time like <laughs> they're the quality of it like you know the way he approaches it like you're i was to say the beauty of Stanley Kubrick's films are just so so far ahead of their time um it it is really easy to get captured by what he creates um absolutely amazing I, <laughs> I think that's so cool I didn't even remember that he had worked on that film to be honest I don't know why I didn't put two and two together um, I want to say it's one of his most popular films but, but uh it, I definitely think it's one of his best uh, it, I would agree with you um he's i mean like the guy is such a fabulous filmmaker but when i when i think of kubrick i always think of a 2001 a space odyssey that's right immediately where my mind goes when i think of kubrick or or the shining the shining is another <laughs> big one it's and, it's and to be honest it's mostly just because i always get the image of jack of jack nicholson's face in the door saying here's johnny you know? <laughs> and I, I don't know it's just it's very <laughs> very jarring um to to see like these moments like that that's interesting that's super super cool um but at the same time like i don't i wouldn't fault you for being a 15 year old 
you know, not entirely grasping the concept of a of a very deep. I guess I would I would say it's a very deep film. Oh, definitely. Like a and it's got a lot of themes to it. I would like to think that around that age, I was as a perceptive of that sort of stuff as I am now. But right, part of me doubts it. But then again, I I can't really say for sure whether or not that's the case. I I know that a. Uh, Definitely when I was a little bit older, I was very much into that sort of thing. I always loved uh, media that had like a deeper message to it. Oh, for sure. Um, and like, I maybe you didn't, maybe I think that's something that I think a lot of people don't give themselves credit for is that I think we do inherently maybe grasp that there is a deeper or a more significant purpose of what we're watching, but we don't maybe under, we don't maybe have the, I guess, the literacy at the time right oh i know i know what it is but like but like that's why that's why film is such a wonderful medium you can go back and you can watch the same film over and over and over and over again and you can learn more and more every time you listen to it or every time you watch it um and you can you can detect oh okay that's something i didn't remember from last time and that's justifying my feelings you know from the last time i'm catching on now no, I definitely know that feeling. There, there are some movies that I've gone back to so many times. Oh my gosh! Uh, like, what what movies would you say like you like to go back and rewatch? I think the single film that I've watched the most is probably, and uh, this one's not exactly uh, on par with the rest of the stuff that we've been talking about, but <laughs> at least in regards of like themes and deeper meanings. But uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> You, that's such a good one <laughs> but like even even it has to be like i i don't know if anybody could can who's seen that movie could not say it's one of the at least one of the top five <laughs> funniest movies i've ever seen but even that movie in its own right has it's very deep <laughs> and i I'll, I'll put the air quotes on it the very deep um, it's very you know, uh subject layer. matter it, there we go it's very layered and there are so many jokes per scene per minute like i feel like every time i watch it again i notice at least something that i one thing that i didn't before but that's that's the beauty of it too i think that's what also makes good comedy is it when it's when it makes you laugh but it also makes you like i guess come to some kind of a realization or 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 it teaches you something as you kind of go and you're like oh uh, that that was I, clever you know <laughs> like one of those i things. love comedies like that like oh they're the best some of my favorite like comedy series would probably be like the rest of development community oh i love uh, community community i'm actually re-watching community now and uh oh, it, it's good. it's as great now as it was then it's I just, I have so much respect for these kinds of shows that are able to pack just so much humor into like 20 minutes. It's something that's super cool about it too, is that they're respectful of different viewpoints while yeah. also, while also sharing like many, many viewpoints. Like it's, it's, just, it's a very interesting way of, I guess, presenting ideas. Um, I, I you know I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm reflecting on it now too, because I, I, I too, um find myself re-watching those those series as well because i i love you know i love first of all i just love the humor the humor is just top notch 
but right. like the uh, but the idea that they they also share they kind of like here you go you know <laughs> you know they put in front of you um it's, it's also it's also you know it's worth learning from um and they just do it i guess from a, a from a funny from a funny point of view i guess from a humorous perspective yeah which i enjoy but yeah it's, it's movies like no no sorry <laughs> it's it's movies like Holy Grail and shows like Arrested Development and Community that I think uh, really helped uh, inspire my work on a lot of the stuff I, I do, but definitely uh, on the metal fantasy epic as well. Because uh, I tend, no matter what I'm writing, I tend to want to have at least some amount of humor because I don't know. I, I've tried, but I don't think I'm really the kind of guy who can stick with a completely serious tone for long. It's just not the way that I am. And I love, I love horror. I love dark shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's funny. <laughs> Go for it. No. But, I, but I, I just can't see myself as like a, like a Cormac McCarthy type or a, or any of those just super grim, dark, dour authors who have like no no rays of sunshine, no levity. I, I can respect right. stuff like that. I think uh, it takes a lot to be able to make a story like that interesting while also have it be just completely unrelentingly uh, filled with despair. Right. And Cormac McCarthy, if I'm not mistaken, he's he's famous for like writing the book, the road. Right? Yes. That's what it, that yeah. and uh, you, you're probably, you probably also be very familiar with uh, another one of my favorite films, no country for old men. I love no country for old men. It's Absolutely a better movie. than a book. I will say that right <laughs> off the bat. <laughs> oh my goodness. He, um, like I, one of yeah. the best films the Coen brothers ever made. Oh, hands down. I agree with you there, but yeah, you're <laughs> right. Like Cormac McCarthy, he is, incredibly talented of making such a such a i man such a dis, you know I, i'm trying to think of the word but like such it, it, the, the stories are, are such downers yeah. um, they're not they're not you know necessarily happy at all and you're kind of hoping throughout the whole film and and even i, I imagine those who've read the books i think you're probably hoping something great is going to happen to these right. characters, or there'll be this moment of like oh thank heavens that you know oh my goodness they they escaped the cannibals again or i don't i don't know <laughs> but there's none of that it, it, he he ends both stories on on these very unhappy notes um and yes i guess i guess there is a there is a need i guess i think for art that does embrace that idea that some things do end hopelessly and i guess that's really sad and it's kind of a kind of a pessimistic way of, of looking at things but I, there there is a i think there is a need you know for that art that kind of art um right and i think sometimes there is some kind of a cathartic experience that we will receive by experiencing stories like that and i think it helps us handle our own lives you know maybe it helps us see our own silver linings a little bit better because yeah. thank heavens we're not in those situations or <laughs> or we're able to focus on i guess the important themes of you know what do these characters have or you know what could they have despite you know the, the tragicness but i i personally i like your approach like 
and I noticed that a lot in your writing, you know, <laughs> um, you start off your story of the metal fantasy epic with this horrible musical rock chord that blows up half the planet. And <laughs> that's a pretty sad way of starting off a story. I mean, I, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, like, at least you saved half the planet. <laughs> yeah. Um, and half the planet's already gone, but the, the presentation of it is absolutely, in my opinion, was absolutely hilarious. Um, <laughs> I remember the first time I read it, I actually burst out laughing. Um, at, at that specific moment. He goes, then the planet exploded! And I was like, I just started laughing. I actually had to put down the script and I had to just walk away because I just like, I need to stop for a minute. <laughs> I took a break because I'm like, it was that funny from the beginning for me where I was just like, you know what? I kind of have to embrace how funny that was before I, I can accept anything else. And I honestly kind of appreciated that <laughs> um, from you as a writer. I thought that was actually quite brilliant. But no, I was going to say, I, I really I do identify with this idea of we need some kind of, of levity, even in, in heavy or, or I guess maybe dark, dark storytelling. Um, it helps make things, I guess, uh, more palpable. It's almost like serving like courses in a meal. Like, here's yeah. the funny stuff, and then here's a big, heavy part of your meal. Eat it. And then here's some more fun, nice little things, and, <laughs> and then I'll give you another helping dosing. <laughs> Healthy dose of, um, of tragedy. <laughs> but I thought you did a great job plus, with plus that. The, plus, in some stories, like, if you have that element of comedy and levity in a story that may be in, uh, internally more dark and depressing, I feel like that helps make the uh, the the darker moments more impactful because you got that uh, that sort of balance there, like that sort of uh, how, how is you put it? Oh, for sure. I, you, you get what I mean. Oh yeah, I know. I know exactly what you mean. Um, when I was in college, I had a professor who talked to me about Oedipus the King. Even in Oedipus the King, you know, which we all know the story of the man who. <laughs> who murdered his father and, and married his mother. Um, even that, that story has its moments of, of levity as well. You know, that kind of eases up on the throttle enough so that the audience can take a deep breath and, you know, they can go, Oh, okay. And then they can, you know, sit back and really engage in those darker moments. Like when he, you know, where he rips his own eye, where he cuts his own, he blinds himself with the pins. Right. And, um, I just remember she told me when this professor told me, she said, that she had seen it and she saw it done professionally and when it came to him gouging his own eyes out it was so heavy the whole show was so heavy that when he finally gouged his eyes out the audience actually laughed because it, it just didn't give them there was no moment of every, if everything has the same weight if everything is just right. super heavy you know there's no relief and the audience just kind of at one point kind of buckles and they just picked their own moment. And for them, it was, it was this moment. Um, and it kind of robbed them of the impactfulness of, of, of what it means for this man to, to gouge his own eyes out. And I, you know, I think there's a, there's a lot of wisdom in finding these, you know, these lighter moments to make other moments more important. But yeah. Um, 
sorry, I hope I didn't go on too long of a tangent there. <laughs> oh no, it's all right. I, I don't mind at all. I, it's not like I have anywhere else I need to be. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about a little about the metal the metal fantasy epic. Um, I I first of all the, the I love the idea that you've taken and created. You did okay. First of all, the world building of the middle fantasy epic epic was brilliant um you created an entire i like I, I don't even know you created entire communities and i mean multiple communities based on me- heavy metal music and like the subgenres. can you can you kind of talk about like well first of all let's just add, i just want to know like what what you know are you what, what kind of a, is, are you a fan of heavy metal music and um, and, and what kind of music do you like that kind of inspired your characters? I have I have loved heavy metal since high school at, at least, but uh, I feel like there was still even a little uh, a little vein of that when I was younger because my my father's favorite band is ACDC, and as a result, my favorite band was ACDC for the longest time. So much so that they were even the first band I ever saw live. Oh, cool. Now, I wouldn't exactly call ACDC metal, per se, but they definitely, you know, are on that uh, that sort of spectrum where Guns sure. and Roses and the like are, where they're hard rock, but they're also just on the verge of being metal. <laughs> yeah, I get you. Yeah. My uncles but, uh, were actually fans of ACDC, too. <laughs> so I think that's super cool. Yeah, by the time that I got to high school, uh, so... Ironically enough, I was so I didn't really start off as a metal fan. I started off as a progressive rock fan. Because okay. going into high school, my favorite bands were Pink Floyd, King Crimson, Rush, Genesis, Jethro Tull, just all of these classic 70 70s prog rock bands with their incredible music musicianship, their crazy time signature changes, just weird instruments that you never expect in, a, in like a classic rock song just in, just this immense creativity that uh, just really spoke to me at that age it, and that's still very much the sort of thing that i like to this day just heavier right <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> what really got me into metal was that uh as I, i'm the kind of so i'm the kind of person who uh I am always listening to music. I am always li- trying to find new bands, new albums, to the point where uh, I think I listen to at least three or four new albums a week. Okay. And uh, around, yeah, it's wow. a lot. <laughs> that's awesome. No, that's super cool. <laughs> I don't even know if I can find three or four new albums a week. Like that's that's just, I listen to the same, you know, like maybe 30 songs you know, for like four years before I start adding new music to it. <laughs> no, I just, I mean, I, no, I, I think that's awesome that you're such a patron of music. I mean, if you ever want recommendations, I'm more than happy to offer. Oh, always. We should just make a separate podcast called Sawyer's Music Recommendations. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> we could just do an album and episode. <laughs> that, that would actually be pretty fun. 
sorry or we could go for years <laughs> we oh god we really could <laughs> that's funny <laughs> years and years with two or three shark jumps in between i know right <laughs> i don't know what would happen once we ran out of good music <laughs> but <laughs> i think i think we would be dead uh, we probably die you're right <laughs> that's so cool though i like that you're so you're so into music that's awesome and so <laughs> like, uh, you, oh yeah sorry go ahead no no sorry what were you gonna say oh no i was just gonna ask you about like just you know this metamorphosis of right you know of music that you know that led you to where we are now but so I, as, i'm pretty so sure you'll was, get there yeah yeah oh you're so, good. so like <laughs> so <laughs> like i was saying no 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 it's all right it's all right <laughs> So, as I was saying, uh, so at that point, I was going through, you know, bands and albums daily. And eventually, I reached a point where I had exhausted pretty much all the, all the mainstream and obscure prog rock bands that I could find. Whether it be, you know, from the 70s and 80s or from modern times, I guess. Uh, so eventually I decided, well, I'm not just going to stop. I, I can't just stop here. I need more. So I decided I was going to start looking into more metal. And I did. And I started off with the classic stuff. You know, I, I got into a lot of Black Sabbath and Iron Maiden. Uh, I started moving on to uh, Tool, who are still one of my all-time favorite metal bands. And uh, from there, I just, when I eventually couldn't find any more bands who uh, exclusively used clean vocals, I decided that I would start experimenting. I was going to, I was going to give death metal a try. <laughs> death metal. All right. And, there, and so death metal, if, and I'm just going to be really just, you know, candid, I'm just not as familiar with it. And I'm not like, I'm not saying I'm against any, any kind of music <laughs> or anything. I'm just, I'm just not as familiar. Is death right. metal the, um, the kind of music where they get like the really like guttural, like kind of like screamo or, yeah. or is that its own genre? Uh, I would say that is accurate, but since you brought up screamo real quick, I just want to, <laughs> okay. anytime someone describes something as screamo, I feel the need to educate Oh, for sure. Educate so, me. So Screamo is actually its own genre. It is its and own uh, genre of music. It's its own genre, and it's not actually metal. Oh, okay. I didn't so know that. So when, when, pe when people describe certain like types of metal or, or styles of vocals in metal as Screamo, I kind of feel the need to be like, hmm... That's that's not quite accurate. That's kind of on its own other. It's on another part of the spectrum. Yeah, I would just okay. so the way that I would describe any sort of vocals in metal that aren't your typical melodic, uh, pleasing to the ears sort of style. That would okay. be harsh vocals. So say you get into something like thrash metal, like Metallica and Megadeth, uh, okay. where they're kind of more like shouting, screaming, grunting. That, that's harsh vocals, but then you get into the more uh, extreme side of that spectrum, where you, you get into death metal, where you got the the uh, titular death growl. Okay. Uh, and then black metal has its own sort of style, where you get these blackened shrieks and croaks, 
And uh, if you ever need to like determine uh, the difference between uh, death metal and black metal vocally, uh, okay. a good rule of thumb here is that death metal sounds like the Cookie Monster, black metal <laughs> sounds like a ringleaf. I am educated. <laughs> no, no, but that no. Thank you for clarifying. Just because I, I would rather know the difference between the kinds of music than than just make it make a guess. No, that's very interesting. Right, and, but there's a lot more to to these uh, different subgenres and just vocal stylings. But I, I sure. can get into that later if you if you want. But to finish oh, what sure. I was saying about screamo, screamo is actually a. Uh, I think if I remember correctly, what it is is basically a combination of emo music and metalcore metal now oh, metalcore okay yeah no i'm just uh, saying i i've heard of i've heard of these and i i just didn't realize that they were a part of a different uh, genre okay metalcore is technically branching off from metal but th- what it is oh god i i feel i, I feel <laughs> like i'm gonna spend so much time just talking about different no genres. you're good this is all about you man you tell us what you want to tell us <laughs> This is awesome. <laughs> metalcore, it, it, metalcore is weird because it's technically three, maybe four different subgenres that all fall under the umbrella okay. of metalcore. Okay. But to put it simply, they're all basically a combination, some degree of combination between hardcore punk and heavy metal. So. Gotcha. You've got your you've got your crossover thrash where it's thrash metal mix, which is already kind of indebted to punk anyway. Have it's thrash metal with a heavier influence from hardcore punk. Then you've got straight up metalcore, which is a a, a fairly even mixture of hardcore and really any kind of metal. You, one thing you're going to learn very quickly is that within the metal scene, there's so many different bands that combine styles and okay. genres like nobody's business there. But, uh, and so that to give like examples for anyone who's actually like wondering what I'm talking about, uh, crossover thrash bands would be like Stormtroopers of Death, DRI, Metalcore okay. is bands like Converge, Bach. Okay. Uh, I think Kill Switch Engage would be considered metalcore. I've heard of and them. And then, uh, yeah, they're, they're definitely one of the, the very popular ones. Them alongside, okay. like, uh, Bring Me the Horizon, uh, As I Lay Dying, though I think that's technically deathcore. Okay. But, uh, and so the third, like, major uh, metalcore adjacent genre is what's called melodic hardcore. Which basically takes the uh, the metalcore sound and just it just makes it a bit more palatable. It's more inspired by like traditional heavy metal and maybe even pop punk than it is like straight up hardcore. Because like bands like Converge and Box probably have more in common with bands like uh, like the Dead Kennedys than they do with bands like Green Day. Oh, gotcha. Cool. And I've heard of the Dead Kennedys too. Um... Dead Kennedys are great. Love them. Cool. Very cool. No, thanks for the thanks for the the information on that. Like that helps. That definitely helps like understand like. <laughs> first of all, it helps. First of all, there should be a college course, just called metal music and its subgenres. 
and it'll it'll be taught by Professor Grinswitch. <laughs> I, I would love that. I would love something like that. It's like a music theory course that should be taught at Berkeley, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and they should just pay you <laughs> every year to come and teach these classes. That's amazing. God, um, that just makes me wish that I was an actual musician. No, oh man, I wish I was an actual artist. <laughs> no, I, I man, I love your appreciation of music, and like I think it makes me appreciate even more what you were able to, what you made, you know, with your story, <laughs> off of all this knowledge. Um, that's super cool. Um, that is just that's really cool, Sawyer. Um, so like to get into like i guess what i'm going to say is like to get into traditional like metal music we're thinking of like dio you know and we're thinking of like black sabbath yeah and we're thinking okay so like and like um judas priest right these these guys would be like more traditional yeah that's that's where most metal heads get their start okay very cool um and i i do know i do know who those bands are you know without too much without having to like dig too deep i know who pretty much who they are right um, and i have and i have enjoyed them on occasion <laughs> i love i have a wide music taste as well and i love i love discovering new music um and i love listening to some stuff um but that's about <laughs> as, as deep as, as we get into like into like metal that's probably about as as deep as i get is that's just my knowledge i didn't know right. there were so many you know i didn't know there were so many subgenres and I I would argue that metal is probably one of the most uh, stylistically diverse genres of music out there because you can combine it with just about anything. Wow. And plus there are just so many different uh, speeds and just techniques and ways of doing it. Because, you know, not, not all metal has to necessarily be at this breakneck speed like thrash metal. Some, you, okay. There are even bands that are uh, much slower that, they would be considered doom metal bands that kind of these are bands that uh, take off like uh, they take inspiration from the early black Sabbath days and they just have this like this slow pace but they still have this heaviness they still have this uh this weight to their wrists right and then you also got the bands that are just pure speed just <laughs> blast beat drumming that sounds like a machine gun and uh right there's a lot of uh there's just a lot that's cool i i didn't know that it's super awesome i love learning about music um that's way cool and so you kind of took all this knowledge of what you've what you know about metal which is obviously extensive and i'm very impressed too much, you, <laughs> too, much. too much people would say that i know too much about theater and you know <laughs> and and stuff like that and they would be patrick okay <laughs> put it in a box and calm down <laughs> but um <laughs> so i'm in the same boat just a different maybe a slightly different subject uh, but um that's super cool and you and you so you took these ideas and you created characters you created um and you created different tribes and you did all these different things and you and you created the metal fantasy epic um i'm just i'm just thinking well we start off the story with like the elder five and what where would you kind of maybe classify these characters as like where did you maybe draw the inspiration of of the elder five and the wizards and and their again who they are how did you kind of 
do are they are they do any of them like personify anyone in in, in like specifically like I know Abornicus has some really great references to Ozzy Osbourne, which which we <laughs> which which is just great because I you know we all know Ozzy we right. all know that we all know that guy, but do any of them <laughs> like how, are, are are any of the other characters that specific? Um, or yes, they, actually. Okay, yeah, let me know about those. Yeah, all of the Elder Five are references to uh, to uh, some metal artist. Yes, okay. uh, Abernicus is sort of a combination of two. Uh, okay. He so he's largely meant to be Ozzy, yes, but his name because I didn't want to do something too close to Ozzy. His name is derived from uh, the name of the I believe the lead singer uh, of a of a great stoner doom metal band called uh, electric <laughs> called electric wizard which electric wizard that, okay yeah there's another reference to that in his abilities yes there is i i remember reading that in, in part two especially like when he you know the wizard yeah no i just no that's great that's <laughs> that's funny i love i love the connections sorry <laughs> no I, i'm just tickled <laughs> But uh, aside from him, uh, the leader of the Elder Five, Sissner, he is uh, based off of the lead singer of one of the uh, greatest stoner metal bands of all time, Sleep, uh, whose song Dragonaut you used uh, in, a, at the, the first at the very e- yeah, the first... in the first episode. Okay, so that's yeah. that's who that is referenced to. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. And I gotta and say that I... those I was gonna say that guitar and that song is is amazing like, I just, yeah i just um that intro alone is incredible um <laughs> i feel like i get to say that because i did listen to these the songs in preparation for the episode i was like you sent right. me all the songs and you said you know you try and use these and incorporate them and i listened i'm like oh these are good um <laughs> and, and just coming from a theatrical background from my spot from my from where i sit there's something very theatrical about how these bands perform that i've noticed like and i i I have this huge appreciation for the artistry behind it and i'm like oh it's it's just fun like it's just like there's a part of it you're just like all right let's you know let's do it um and it almost kind of is you know for me it was almost like listening to a like an orchestra you know how they like warm up before they do a show like you ever heard like the pit orchestra sit down you hear that humming of all their instruments kind of coming together it almost gave me the same feeling and i was like that's it it was just cool to kind of see the comparison behind it and for me that's how i how i felt listening to it it was just kind of cool but yeah sorry (laughs) that um just just loving the music um (laughs) so cisner is based on sleep the the band it, it the sleep it, the bit it's not i'm sorry I'm getting tongue tied the <laughs> band is called dragonaut no the the band is called sleep, sleep the song and the song was, was called <laughs> i got mixed up <laughs> <All right. laughs> the, the, no but yes um very cool and who was the lead singer what was his name uh something something cisneros i think al cisneros Oh, very cool. All right. Very similar name. Yeah. That's cool. Not all of these are exact. uh, Oh, yeah, they're not necessarily exact, but yeah. Yeah. 
I, I wasn't really going for subtlety. No. But, uh, <laughs> the other three, I believe, Home, I believe, was meant to be based off of uh, Josh Home from Caius, though uh, okay. you probably yeah. know are more familiar with his work in Queens of the Stone Age. Oh, okay. I, I do know who Queens of the Stone Age are. Yeah, before he was part of that band, he was part of one of the... Uh, one of the big stoner rock bands to come out of California, Caius. Okay, very cool. And then Vardamil was based off of, uh, I think either, I think one or two people from a band called Orange Goblin. Orange Goblin? Yes. Very, I, I just love the name. That's super cool. <laughs> <laughs> he also reminded me of, of Gargamel, the guy from Smurfs. <laughs> <laughs> I just I love the name Vardamel. <laughs> but very cool. I, now, that, now that you bring up Gargamel, now, thinking back to the performance uh, for Vardamel, that I can act, I can kind of see the similarities. <laughs> <laughs> Josh did a good job, didn't he? <laughs> he? He did great. I was, he was hilarious. <laughs> I hope he listens to this so he gets the compliment from from the <laughs> from the writer himself. <laughs> I, I'd love to thank him directly. I'd love to thank everybody directly. I will get you that opportunity. I will make sure that you get that opportunity one day. All right. Soon. But I'll, I'll make sure they at least get to know, they at least hear from there that you've. You wanted to <laughs> I'll, I'll listen to make sure they listen to the interview so they can hear that. All right. <laughs> They'll be tickled. They'll be really pleased <laughs> to know that you were that you were happy. That's good. That's awesome. So so who else there was also Hind, right? Yes. Who was he, he was based, based off of? He was based off of uh, Brett Hines from uh Mastodon. Yeah, Mastodon. Mastodon. Who, okay. Yeah. And Mastodon actually has a very special place in my heart because I would argue that they are the reason that I got into the more extreme variants of metal. Because okay. when I was looking for uh, heavier bands, Mastodon was like one of the major ones that came up in regards to like progressive metal. Uh, specifically, they are progressive sludge metal. Sludge metal being <laughs> a mixture of doom metal and hardcore punk all right very cool and uh when i listened to their album leviathan and heard the very first track off of it blood and thunder i was never the same it was just like one of those like it kind of like defining musical moments for you oh definitely that's cool that's way cool I have a few, I have like a few like personal, like musical, like experiences like that, like where I totally identify with that feeling. Um, like what? Like for me, like there was a band and this, and for me, like this is the kind of music that I really get into. I really like folk rock. Oh. Um, and so I remember listening to the Avett brothers and that's A-V-E-T-T -T brothers. Okay. And there are these, these two brothers who just, you know, they have, you know, a lot of albums out. And I just remember I was listening to a song called The Perfect Space. And the way they yeah. did the song just really got me. And I was like, that is just like the coolest song to me. And I and I still have it on my playlists. Like I still listen to it all the time. I kind of sometimes will save it for like specific moments. So I'm like, okay, I need my I like I need my song and I'll go find it and I'll turn it on. 
and it'll kind of just change my mood. It'll help me like calm down or it'll make me feel happy. Or if I'm like having a hard time sleeping, sometimes I'll play that one song and it'll help me just kind of relax again. So like, I totally know what you mean. Like it's one of those, you know, musical moments that you're like, that was my, you know, <laughs> oh, that was my moment. You know, and that's super cool that you really connected with that band. That's awesome. Have, have they, oh, go ahead. Sorry. sorry. I've oh, got sorry. a little... <laughs> no, sorry. I, 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 sorry. I, there's a little lag, and I just so sometimes I think. Oh, okay. No, sorry. It's okay. You go ahead, and I'll, I'll tell you. I'll ask my question after. I've got a I've got a lot of love for folk, actually. Like oh, I, I wouldn't say that I listen to a whole lot of folk rock, but a lot of my favorite metal bands are very heavily folk influenced. Like, oh, uh, cool. one of, the, for example, uh, there's a band called Bathory who. Uh, they're more famous for being like one of the first major black metal bands. Okay. Uh, black metal being, uh, sh- should I explain? Oh, you can explain. That's fine. Okay. So to explain black metal, I should probably also explain death metal. Oh, and to explain it. death metal, I should probably start with at least a basic explanation of thrash. So oh, you're good. Go for it. You, so you've listened to bands like Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, right? I mean, like just just a little bit, like not like a ton, but I I know what right. you're talking about. But you, you know the sound. Yeah, I know what they those, sound like. Yeah, those are some of the biggest thrash metal bands out there. Basically, thrash metal is you know heavy metal that has this pretty heavy influence from punk rock. You know, okay. just that sort that focus on like these speedy riffs uh, that just that aggression lots of political commentary okay death metal and black metal both have a uh, common uh ground or common origin in thrash metal okay but uh, they go in very different directions gotcha death metal doubles down on the speed well they both double down on speed but death metal doubles down on like speed and like the the uh, the chunkiness of the riffs like it, it has weight it is it is girth it feels it's the sort of music that you you lift weights to it feels like you're being <laughs> gotcha i know what and, you mean yeah so you got it's very down tuned the guitars at least so it's got that that heavy sound uh, you got the blast beat drumming like i said before it's got it's got that sort of machine gun rhythm where it's just going like yeah I it's gotcha, just nonstop, yeah. yeah. Cool, very uh, cool. And then, of course, you got the uh, the vocals, the death graphs, where you know they just these like men the sounding like yes, exactly, <laughs> sounding like like lions, like beef. They're like just roaring almost. Uh, out exactly. Just, okay, gotcha. That sort of sound where like you're wondering, are they speaking English or are these words? <laughs> <laughs> And I'll admit, when I was first starting off with that, I, I could never tell what they were saying. It all just sounded like... <laughs> and, and <there's, laughs> yeah, and there's still bands that I listen to where that's still the case, because that's an intentional, you know, stylist decision. It sounds like it just sounds completely indecipherable, and I'll be reading the lyrics, to you, and it'll be like, it, it'll be like this... It's funny, because It'll, I'll be reading it, and it's like, wow, this is like a strangely deep philosophical uh, rumination on the nature of death and rebirth. 
but it just sounds <laughs> it just sounds like uh it just sounds like a dying animal <laughs> listening to it that's awesome <laughs> but, but, but nowadays i I've been listening to it for years now, so I, I can sort of understand some of the, the less guttural vocals. Like, I'll be able to pick out, like, the the name of the song, like, you shall be lashed to the slingster. And then the rest, <laughs> is, and then the rest is still just mush. But at the very least, I can pick that part out. You, you, know, can, get your, you can pick out phrases now. I can pick out words, phrases. It'll be like, death, that sort of thing. Oh gosh, <laughs> that's funny. But 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 anyway, black metal. Uh, on the contrary, I think it honestly it kind of has more in common with its punk roots than death metal does, because it it went for a much more raw sound. Okay. And by raw and by raw I mean shitty. Oh, <laughs> there, there's, there's no getting around it. Black metal sounds terrible. It is intentionally recorded on like the worst equipment possible. It, this right. started off as this started off as like a, a necessity because so there are two, technically three waves of black metal. The first wave in like the mid to late '80s were uh, bands like Bathory, Venom, uh, Celtic Frost. And uh, these these were like you know young up and coming you know musicians who were inspired by death metal and and punk and wanted to you know make something darker, heavier, more just. Err, yeah, that's Urgh. what they were going for. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they didn't have access to like uh, you know like good recording uh, booths or. That sort of thing, you know. These were these were not necessarily professionals. They didn't have the money to like professionally uh, compose their their records. So a lot of times, these bands would like in the case of Bathory specifically, uh, on on one of their like uh, earlier albums, one of their most famous, I believe it was under the sign of the Black Mark, all time classic, by the way. Uh, Not one of my favorites because my taste in black metal tends to be it, it tends to go in more of the uh, experimental progressive direction or at the very least more melodic but uh okay. that album from what i've read was recorded on a low quality 10 track cassette tape recorder thing in their garage and that was it that was the record right they didn't do any real editing that i'm aware of they just turned on the tape recorder they played in their garage and that was the album and it wow. and it sounds like it it sounds <laughs> like something that a bunch of like 20 tw- like early 20 year old men recorded in their basement <laughs> but that's but funny. that's the aesthetic that's the aesthetic that black metal goes for but uh, aside from that what were you gonna say? No, I was gonna say they, they just want to sound grungy and they want to sound heavy and exactly. All right, because I, I guess after you know after that sort of became the norm, you know, even when bands had the ability to record on better equipment in better environments, they chose not to because they felt that the sort of raw sound 
added to the atmosphere. It felt more true. It felt more <laughs> representative of, of the music they were making. Exactly. All right. But well, aside good from that, it, yeah, yeah, I, I can respect it. Yeah, I can too. That's really smart. That comes like, again, that's something in my, again, the theater background in me, you know, we, you know, especially as a director, you know, we, we experimentally, we try to do stuff like that too, where, you know, you know, we try to put the audience in a position where, you know, and like, and I guess for, you know, for me, for an audience, you know, to, to black metal, you know, musicians, their audience, you know, they might not have a direct audience, but when they're creating this album, they want their aesthetic to be, you know, represented through the recording. And so they put, you know, they put themselves in that atmosphere and they create the surroundings and they create what they want so that it sounds, you know, so it's the, the person who listens to it later on experiences as close as they can get to what they're going for. You know, we people, we in theater do the same thing. You know, we try right. to create as much of, uh, you know, so that they understand what we're feeling, what we're trying to present the same, the exact same way that these artists, these musicians are trying to do it. Yeah. So, but yeah, I totally see that. That's really, that's really interesting about that, what they do. That's really cool. But so aside from that, uh, that rawness, which is very inherent to the sound, uh, in the actual music, uh, they also have a lot of that, of the blast beats. That's, that's just important to both black and death metal. But what really sets them apart is that, aside from the rawness, is that they, use a lot of uh, tremolo picked riffs where okay. basically a, tre a tremolo being like I, don't know, I believe they're basically alternating like super quickly between like two chords and it, it kind of gives it like a like a buzzsaw sort of sound like oh okay uh, like you listen to that immortal track that I sent so like right, I know what, what you're trying to. Yeah, I know the sound that you're yeah. talking about. So that that's very uh, that's very much a key element to black metal. And then cool. what what ties it all together is the uh, the part that tends to get most like casual metal listeners to kind of turn their nose up to it to kind of be like, mm, I pro I'm, I don't think I'm gonna want want to listen to this. That being the uh, the admittedly heavy, heavy focus on like Satanism. Oh yeah, I, I, I and I, you know, that's got like a, it's got, it gives a rap sometimes to a lot of music. Oh yeah. <laughs> in the in the genre, but no, I get what you're saying. And black metal definitely uh, earns that rap, I'd say. I mean, I <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm not gonna lie. It's I, there's so many great black metal bands, but and I'm not exactly a religious type, but I'm I wouldn't say that I'm a Satanist either. But <laughs> no, for, for sure, I got gotcha. For for a lot of these bands, it was mostly just uh, it was an image thing. Like even like traditional heavy metal bands, like well, like Dio, kind of had that sort of like that sort of like Satan satanic imagery but it it was like a shock thing it was like a it was just a style thing Most, right it was just I about mean, their style ozzy is like a born again christian or something so, no he is like and a lot of these guys i from like when i've heard like they had their own you know religious you know you know beliefs and stuff like that it was yeah. just it was just a part of like the music presentation that they used and they yeah you know, it was a part of the style and it was just something that they did 
Yeah, so I like, totally know. I know what you mean. I don't think they saw it as being any different from like it's it's just spooky. It's like The Exorcist. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah, but uh, I totally know what. You, yeah, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. But a lot of black metal bands that uh, tended to take it a bit more seriously. In For fact, sure. uh, in fact, uh, I, I'm probably going to try and avoid talking too much about this, but because uh, I I could spend so much on it. But there is a very large history of just violence and murder in the black metal scene, which is unfortunate because it gives the whole genre, in a way, a bad a bad rap. You know, that's yeah, not necessarily what the whole genre is. That's not. This is what even a majority of the genre is about. It's just it's just music, right? And, yeah, you know, it's their it's their it self expression, and it kind of gets it, soiled. It just happens to have this dark cloud of these juvenile, just kind not quite stable individuals taking this this genre too seriously, taking it too far, and it just ended in a few murders couple church burnings and uh unfortunately also a bad ongoing history of uh far far right uh individuals kind of infecting the scene that that's what i get you of all of all the things that i hate having to like defend myself about for enjoying black metal what I can't defend in any way, shape, or form is the fact that, unfortunately, the black metal scene has a terrible, terrible Nazi problem. Oh. And this, I didn't and know that. That's really unfortunate. It, it's, yeah. And there, there are fans who will argue that, like, oh, this has always been a tiny part of the scene. It's all... And on top of that, it's not even all that old of a thing. It's pretty recent. They're lying to you. They're lying to themselves. Because wow. uh, some of like the major early figures in the black metal scene, like specifically uh, Euronymous, who was the lead singer of uh, probably the most famous black metal band of all time, Mayhem, who okay. was also uh, the victim of he, he he was murdered by his bandmate Varg Vikernes. Which again, I, I won't go too much into if you don't want me to. But uh, sure. he him, he himself said that uh, in that er, in those early days of the black metal scene, late '80s, early '90s, that like there was a there was definitely a strong presence of these like fascist authoritarian individuals in the black metal scene. Oh, so. Gotcha. And I'd like I'd like to think that uh, it's not quite as bad now as it was before, but at the same time, I literally have to vet every band, new band that I find just to be just to be careful, just to be cautious, because like I'll be checking out this new band that I hear about that's getting great reviews, and I'll be going on like uh, the Metal Archives, which is a great resource by the way. They have information on pretty much every metal band that does or has existed at any point and uh i'll be scrolling through and then because 
uh, conveniently enough, it'll always list like the lyrical themes of each band, and I'll be looking at the lyrics and I'll, and I'll be reading it. It'll be like, okay, war, okay, pretty standard, uh, <laughs> blasphemy, blasphemy, yeah, par for the course. Happens uh, in black. It happens in the. It happens in the genre. <laughs> and I'll be reading, and I'll be like, nationalism. Oh. Uh, uh, oh God. Okay. That's, 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 that sounds a little suspicious. And then I'll like, I'll go like searching around, and it'll be like, oh, their guitarist painted a swastika on his chest at a show. This is something that legitimately happens with a band called Migwa. I do not listen to Migwa. <laughs> Let's be clear. <laughs> no, I get so, you. It just it, it pisses me off. It really does because I just I want to be able to enjoy this art form that I appreciate so much without having to feel like I'm walking through a minefield. No, I understand. And and to be honest, art and like I mean like all forms of art and genre at this today kind of we you know i think all of us whether our genre is you know like for you it's metal um for me it might be like folk rock and some other you know some other like classic rock stuff and um and for someone else it might be it might be taylor swift <laughs> you know <laughs> i think we all kind of walk through a little bit of a minefield with that too because you know we don't want to you know we want to find artists that represent you know that represent us you know and um and and you know and you know we don't want to we don't necessarily want to support or associate with with you know those kind of groups that you know don't you know that don't you know that don't represent you know the views that we think are you know that should be valued like that and right. I, and so i i totally know i totally know what you mean and right i have yeah. i have no desire to spend my my cash, my time, any of that on a band that is going to be spewing hatred. Right. I totally know what you mean. Though um, I, I oh. might make an exception if I can pirate their music instead so that they make nothing off. <laughs> you, know, so, you know, win-win situation. <laughs> Got that, that's, that, that's what I'd like to do because uh, I, I have... There's a band that I used to, to love uh, who I recently, like about a year back, found out were unfortunately uh, they had ties with... Okay, so the band is called Moonstar. They're a Finnish black folk metal band. Like, it's black metal and folk metal. Uh, gotcha. Excellent. They, they are truly excellent musicians. Their album, uh, Verisiki, one of my favorites. But unfortunately, last year, or it might have actually been back in 2019, uh, they announced that they were going to be going on tour with a band from Lithuania. I forget the name of it, but they were very upfront about the fact that they were white supremacists. And that, and uh, it's one thing, it would have been one thing if Moon Sorrow was going on tour with his bands but it wasn't their choice like whoever was running the tour just put them on the same bill if that the, was what ha- if that was what had happened i could maybe you know say, uh, yeah you could find like a justification that, like, yeah like i could i could say that like oh maybe they don't agree with the band but you know they're not going to turn up a lucrative opportunity like this which you know also questionable but hey what, what are you going to do not 
you gotta draw the line somewhere. For sure. But, but they they were very clear about the fact that they were friends with this band. They invited them to tour with them. Mm. So I haven't really uh, listened to them since. I gotcha. But um, if you don't mind, I, I have a few more questions just about um, about the you know about your script. Um, right. And I just I wanted to ask because um, we've talked about satire and we've talked yeah. about you know stuff like that. What kind of a message were you know were you hoping to share with you know with your with you know people who would eventually view or, or hear your script? What was like maybe what were some of the spherical elements that you that you that you fit in there or um, what other you know purposes um, did you have in in writing your story? Like what was uh, you know what was like the themes and the stuff that you that you were you were sharing with uh, you know throughout the story. In a grand sense, I very much wanted to uh, satirize and poke fun at just the metal scene and community as a whole. Because <laughs> you know I, I've been I've been in love with this genre of music for for years, and I've in a, you know I've seen the way that uh, the community is, and you know some people are are, are great. They're just these awesome individuals, very open-minded, understanding. But then you also got the types who are just very insular. Like black metal, especially, tends to be a very insular community. Like, so like the people like Erasmus and his and his and his friends would have definitely yes. fit into that kind of a community. <laughs> Erasmus, so, but uh, Nixie and right. Dry Rot definitely Porphyrian. They are very much the kind of. They're very much like uh, meant to represent the sort of people who I do not like within the black metal community. <laughs> so like that's like your little like hi gotcha you know <laughs> little, yeah. little moment there. Because gotcha. like because what you see with these characters is just like this hyper obsession with like with just being like seeming evil, seeming like these like brutal just uncompromisingly uh wicked individuals and they're all about tradition they don't look they like the status quo they like authority they don't they're not for like uh breaking off from the norm and that that's kind of how that's kind of how the black black metal community tends to be like there there are a lot of these people who listen to the to bands from like the second wave which was the most popular bands like Dark Throne, <laughs> and there's uh, no room Emperor, Portal, for... and, and they basically decide. <laughs> what are we gonna say? I was just gonna say, like, just, like to them, there's like no room for like new, innovative styles to the genre. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> These people listen to gotcha. bands like Burzum and Mayhem and decide this is black metal. Anything that diverges from this exact sound is not black metal. It is untrue. <laughs> untrue there it is <laughs> the, good quoting yourself <laughs> well the, no tip my hat's off to you sorry i can't i caught you that that was that's that's really good um no but i love that um i love that that um it's almost like a satire of almost all music and how people view all music and you I'm 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 just I'm I'm kind of just interpreting for myself at this point. It's almost like I you you are using 
I was gonna say like you're you're taking your script and you're you, yes you're using the metal community and you're using the metal genres and all of the different genres that you find within metal and you're and you're making fun of all these different groups but you could do the same thing with any of any style of music and put them into these oh, same bo- these same categories like you've got these weirdos in, <laughs> in, <laughs> uh, in every category who are all like this and I I, I I I really I really love that. Would you say that this but like would you say ultimately that the metal fantasy epic is kind of your love letter to like I guess the metal music, you know, genre? It, like it's overall? my it's both it's both my love letter and my my hate mail. <laughs> it's my love letter, but here's a list of improvements. <laughs> yes, exactly. I love I love you so much, but can you fix this? Because <laughs> there there is a lot that could use fixing. No, I, no, I, but I, I love I absolutely love that. I think that's super great. <laughs> aside from uh, just trying to criticize like uh, the metal community in terms of just like these like these stereotypes, like uh, a, a lot of the the stuff of like you know the the people of Ekornir like calling things true or untrue that that's legit like pulled from the sort of stuff that i the sort of discourse and stuff i see online of metal fans that's actually oh that's actually like stuff that that's like verbatim the sort of words Terminal. they use okay. like yeah that, that's their that's terminology their, that's their terminology wow i didn't true, know that. cult brutal they're really into V's where instead of U's, they're really into putting V's where they don't belong. Like I, true I, would be T R V E cult is V's and K's. Okay, V L T. I was gonna say for our our listeners, I I would just have to clarify. Sawyer, you were very you were very um true to to but um, to to what you just talked about in this terminology, that you actually wrote it that way in the script, so that it was like it was even like physically present, you know, within the script. They, when the characters who represented these groups of people actually had spelling like that in their <laughs> for their their characters' dialogue, like dry rot, Nixian, um, Erasmus, Porphyrian, when you read some of their lines, they do have these words of true and untrue or, or cult that are spelled the way you just exactly said them. And I think that's a, a very nice attention to detail <laughs> that nobody would ever know unless they actually got a chance to handle the script. Yeah. Um, which I, I, again, I'm a little a little nod of my hat to you. <laughs> <laughs> I figured at some, at some point, if I were to continue it, these would show up like in writing like in the, the film itself so i figured oh, for sure. it wasn't like i was hoping it wouldn't be a complete waste of my time that i spelled it the way that i, that I did <laughs> no and i think that uh, i think a, a a good filmmaker or um a good you know production designer would, would take the opportunity to say that is brilliant we need to find a way of incorporating that <laughs> into the story so i i definitely i this letting you know from my perspective as someone who got a handle of the script, I appreciated the small details like that. Um, the care <laughs> that you put into your story was was quite smart. Um, I know that you said that um, you never really intended on finishing this. At the beginning of the interview, you said you feel like you would like to go back. Is there is there other projects that you're working on right now as a writer? 
Um, or where do you see yourself oh, yeah. in the future? Where do you see yourself? Um, where do you project yourself in the future as a as a screenwriter? Like like five years from now? Um, yeah, sure. Let's say well, like five years from now, where do you see yourself? I see two very distinct possibilities. Okay. One is that I'll have gotten my film degree. I'll be in LA and I'll be somehow successfully starting my film career. Wonderful. Two, I will be dying in a ditch, <laughs> holding my screenplays to my body for warmth, while also <laughs> just handing them out to whoever walks by saying, please adapt me. <laughs> <laughs> gosh let's hope the first one um <laughs> let's hope the first one is the real one <laughs> yeah. is the pro but <laughs> i'm sorry i think anyone who has ever worked in any kind of the uh, industry like theater or film or or music or i think we've all had the fear that we we're going to end up in the second scenario <laughs> um <laughs> So I know, I know I wake up in a cold sweat going, adapt me. <laughs> um, uh -huh. um, so <laughs> I'm with you. You're not alone with that, with that second possibility. So yeah, I, there's uh, probably more than one alternate universe where you and I are both in the same ditch. Oh yeah. <laughs> but um, based on the writing that I've seen from you, I, I foresee it's more likely that you are in LA doing what you want to do and, and you're, you're getting so. close. And I, in five years from now, I'm, I, I would predict that you're getting a lot closer to your dreams coming true than, than the latter. I'm excited to see like, I, and again, um, I feel privileged that I get to be one of the early people to have, <laughs> handled handled your work um even just a little bit um and i hope to be one of the first people you will let read a complete story of of the metal fantasy epic i would love to know oh, the, full, the full story when when you're done with it um and please but please it, do to, to answer your your question from before though about what i've been working on oh go uh, ahead yes i would love to hear more about what you're working on so I will admit lately it's been kind of, it's, you know, COVID and all that. It's kind of, motivation is kind of hard to come by. You're, we're, that's a big boat of people. Yeah. <laughs> that we're I've all had, together. I've had a lot of ideas. That's cool. It's just that the moment that I want to sit down and actually start writing that is when I just, I, that's when I fail miserably. No, I get you, man. But uh, I do have, a, so in regards to like things that I do have like on the page, aside from the Metal Fantasy Epic, I do have two other screenplays. One, one of them is finished. It's the, in fact, I think that, that was, I think I sent it to you. I need to look through my emails and see if I still have it. I probably the, do. It's just I. I sent it alongside the Metal Fantasy Epic when I first okay. when you first told me about this podcast. Okay, uh, I'm gonna it, go back and read it. It's called uh, Lettero. And I do, is, I do, I do remember. I have that one in my in my folder. I just haven't read it yet. I do have it though. I know what you're talking about. 
Now, I, I call it a screenplay, but that's not quite accurate because it's actually the script for an audio drama. Ooh, okay. It is the uh, pilot episode of an audio drama that uh, uh, that I have been wanting to develop for the longest time. Aside, so aside from filmmaking, I am also a huge fan of audio drama podcasts. And, oh, uh, they're the best. They are, there are so many great ones out there. But uh, I, I, however long ago, I think it's been over a year now, I came up with the idea for this, uh, this audio drama alongside a friend of mine. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll give you a brief synopsis in a second. But uh, my, my friend, uh, her name is Audrey. She's, a, she's all in her own right. She's also a very good writer. But uh, she just does not have the same, uh, I'd say, technical skill in regards to like uh you know the script format you know that sort of thing she is very much an idea woman uh she she has come up with some incredible concepts and brainstorming with her was always so much fun but she relied she uh defaulted to me to actually like put it to page and uh if it weren't for the fact that uh, she has also been struggling with motivation, I think we would have been, uh, we would have had a lot more episodes pinned already. But uh, you know, what 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 can you do? But yeah, I'm really hope, I'm really hoping that I'll be able to continue on that because honestly, I think that is it's one of my uh, my favorite ideas that I've had. And basically, the concept is that uh, it follows our main character whose sister is a uh, she's a history major she is uh, basically studying for her uh, doctorate i believe and she is focusing on for her doctorate what she is focusing on is that she is investigating what she refers to as contemporary folklore and basically okay. she is trying to investigate like these tales of like supernatural creatures and events that don't have any real discernible origin in like in in like the past like these are new or if not new at the very least timeless occurrences strange things that seem to be appearing and popping up in this in in like the rust belt of the u.s like the, the sort of thing these just creatures that like seem to wander like like these uh, rural areas like abandoned factories uh, the, uh prowling the hot like the the interstate or just these you know the backwoods like that sort of thing and but she finds out about this county somewhere in in the midwest called Lettero county which technically is not real in the sense that it is not officially a county okay. it is a two or three but how, oh, okay. however the people who reside within it for some, due to some technicality or something still refer to it as its original title as lettero because i guess if i remember what i wrote correctly basically it was meant to be like a, it was going to be this lettero county but they couldn't like finalize it with the states and they ended up just like splitting it down the middle or whatever okay but she ends up 
finding out about this place, which seems to be like an epicenter for all this strange uh, supernatural occurrences. And she goes to seek it out and she goes missing. And so we're following her brother who one day recedes just this package filled with all manners of uh, of tape recordings, notes, and just random research that she must have compiled on her journey there. And she's trying to use it to, to retrace her steps and hopefully find her. Wow. That, I mean, like that alone, just, that sounds awesome. Um, we might have to have you back on so we can, I, we can, I would love that. We can work on letter O because that sounds so cool. Um, what a, what inspired this, though, uh, which I, I think is kind of an interesting story. Uh, I, what I remember was that I was, I, I spend a decent amount of time on Twitter just doom scrolling. <laughs> but, but Down I the fall, rabbit I, hole. Yes, yes. But I follow a lot of like uh, horror artists and other creators. And uh, I remember some of them were talking a lot of them were talking about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre for some reason. And they were specifically talking about like, wouldn't it be cool if there was a movie that kind of had that sort of folk horror vibe, but focused more on like this weird, like almost cosmic sense of scale that Texas Chainsaw flirted with. Like, cause if you've ever seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you might remember how it all occurs. Like, if I remember correctly, like on the day of an eclipse or some sort of weird like celestial event, and that is somehow supposed to be tied with all of these horrible things that, that happen to our main characters on that day. And there's almost a sort of like doomsday kind of like feel to everything. But I was thinking about that. That really got me thinking. And I was like, what if what if we had a story that was cosmic folklore? Just this combination of like this rural folk horror, like like Texas Chainsaw, or even I think Midsummer is a good example as well, with just Lovecraftian cosmic horror. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I'm a wuss when it comes to horror, but I might make an exception. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty amazing and i know again like you said you sent me the first the first episode but as these episodes come out i would be very interested in, in hearing more and i mean as a fan of your writing i i really do hope massive success comes from comes from something like this because like i oh. I, I love original storytelling you know in in genres like this and i think that's super exciting So, wow, <laughs> that's some stuff coming up. And I know COVID has really, you know, it's, it's man, COVID's burned a lot of, burned out a lot of people. Um, it's, it's been a, it's been a rough year. Um, but I think, you know, um, you know, I think now is as good a time as any to, you know, for a lot of us to try and push ourselves to get back out there and 
and do it. Yeah. Um, that, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not shaming you by any means, right, right. Um, but I, I'm excited that as you become, as an artist become ready to, to get back out there and, and you, and you rediscover your motivation and, um, and as you, you know, take up your quill yet again, good writer. <laughs> um, as you get out there, um, I, I know that the people who have listened to your episodes um, on this podcast, I hope they become as eager, um, as eager followers as I have become. And I'm really excited to see what comes next for you um, on that. Um, is there any like platforms or anything like that that our listeners can can potentially follow you on? Like, do you have a LinkedIn or do you have social media that you like to use? That if we have a yeah. listener who's like, I want to follow this Sawyer Grinswich guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, where could they find you, Sawyer? I probably should get a LinkedIn, but it, honestly, <laughs> I was never like a huge social media kind of guy. I should probably change that, you know. It, okay. You know, it's important okay. for networking and all that bullshit but uh all i really <laughs> all i really have is a is a twitter okay what, what's your handle on twitter oh god what is it let me check <laughs> you killed me sir <laughs> you know you're just funny <laughs> what is that thing <laughs> it is at wiley spookster that's W, that's capital W, I-L-Y, capital S, P-O-O-K-S-T-E-R. I don't post a damn thing, but who knows? Maybe that'll change. <laughs> I don't know how many people listen to this podcast. I, I hope that it'll continue to grow as it goes on, but uh, I don't know. I, we, we have, we're hoping Can't to grow guarantee I'll do too. anything but follow we're we're growing we're growing but i i hope our listeners will give you a follow and uh and see if you start posting stuff for them (laughs) (laughs) you know maybe like a hi every once in a while yeah yeah um but sorry it has been you want to hear about some go for it no what were you gonna say did you want to hear about any of the other ones or? Are oh, did you have? Oh, I'm so sorry. I hope I, I hope I didn't. Oh, cut no, you off. it's okay. It's okay. Do you, do you no, have okay. anything else? I, I, I have uh, one other thing that is just like on paper and actually like, okay, you know, what, what, there. There's proof that I've done some stuff with it. Uh, it is a pilot for a TV show. I don't have a name for the series itself yet, but the episode is called Flesh, Blood, and the Spaces in Between. Ooh, that's a horror title. <laughs> it's kind of horror. Okay. It's I would best describe it as horror comedy, which I feel I do like. That's that the genre. kind of niche I tend to like. I that's I love niche. horror comedy, like Evil Dead, Tucker and Dale. It's all right. I'm a big fan of but, uh, Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> Shaun of the Dead is excellent. That's I love I love Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright's but but anyway, so he is wonderful. But uh, the premise for this one is uh, our main character is kidnapped by a family of eldritch abominations, barely masquerading as humans, <laughs> and he finds out that they're his blood relatives. He is a distant, distant cousin of the Sharp family, who. Uh, 
they live in a mansion outside of space and time called the adjacent state it's this sprawling manor house and it's a accompanying grounds that is basically endless the layout's kind of constantly inconsistent it's bizarre and it also acts as a sort of nexus of reality but uh basically the reason that they kidnap him and bring them into him into their home is that they are thinking that somehow they're going to be able to use him in some manner to help them with their their main priority secondary to them just being monstrous creatures feeding on humanity and that's to stop the the entity that is worse than they are from destroying all humanity and all reality they are the lesser of two evils they occasionally eat kill and eat a few people every uh you know like every few months you know maybe (laughs) like maybe a hundred people a year at most so you know pretty yeah they're pretty terrible loss for they're pretty bad, but it can always they're pretty be bad, worse. But they, they could be a lot worse. At the very least, they're not speaking Omnisite. Yeah, right. <laughs> and to reiterate, this is a comedy. I, I, I get the I, I just love the idea that they're pretty terrible, but they're like, you either can help us or everyone dies. <laughs> when know? when I was com- when I was coming up with the idea. The very specific like description I had for the concept, like if I were to ever pitch it to someone, was like, what was it? I I think I have it written down somewhere actually. Yeah. Let me check. Okay. A cross between the Royal Tenenbaums and Arrested Development. <laughs> That's a good. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, I I really like wait, that. Wait, what? Wait, sorry. Between the, I I I really loved that. Sorry, a combination you... between the Royal Tenenbaums or Arrested Development, and just straight up cosmic horror. If you can't tell, I love cosmic horror. No, I I think that's very very clever. I I really do like that idea. Um, I could. Uh, I could send that to you too, but it is definitely not finished. It's only like, I've only got like 10 pages right now. Oh, I would love to see it in its entirety. Um, let me know when you're done with it though, because that's, that's wonderful. Sure uh, thing. I'm hoping I'll start working on it again soon because that, that's one of the more popular ones among my friend group. Sorry. <clears throat> no, I, <laughs> it's all right. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry for keeping you up so oh, long. I'm okay. No, that's um, I I love talking this stuff. Um, <laughs> no, um, do you have any other projects, or are those like the the big ones that you're working on right now? Those are the ones that I've actually started writing. But I do have I can name two off the top of my head that are like in the conceptual phase that I'm Ooh. hoping I'm going to get around to soon. One that's of them exciting. is called yeah. One of them is called the Rat Catchers Hymn. And it basically follows a uh, this man who he works as a uh, you know he's a pest control guy, exterminator. But the thing is, he is also basically a 
I wouldn't exactly call him a serial killer, but he's kind of like a he, he's like halfway between serial killer and a hitman. He's being hired by like uh, by corporations to masquerade as a pest control, you know, uh, individual and go into like uh, tenement area, tenement buildings, you know, like apartment blocks. He's just very run down, low income areas where he covertly poisons the residents. Oh, the, no. <laughs> and as a result, you know, now that, you know, these are usually places where, like, the only reason that they haven't been demolished yet is because there's still holdouts trying to live there because, you know, it's all they can afford. And, uh, but these corporations want to be able to get rid of it so that they can build whatever new fucking parking lot or mall or whatever in its place. So they hire him to get rid of these, uh, these stragglers, these vermin, as they seem to see them, and uh, just eliminate the problem. But what ends up happening is that on one of his jobs, he ends up... He falls in love. Getting... <laughs> no, 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 no. Nothing, nothing so, so warm and fuzzy as that. He ends up falling into this bizarre underworld populated by gigantic sentient rats oh my and gosh <laughs> that's awesome he ends up well he's he, he, he's trying to find a way out but at the same time he's also being consumed by his like in his his just religious mania because he's also being influenced by these strange like idols to this god that seems to like it seems to embody like predators and oh stuff okay. like that very interesting and then the other one that i that i've been wanting to work on uh is uh that probably my most uh fantasy driven one basically the premise for that is that uh due to some circumstance no one really knows what reality sort of shattered Ooh, okay and basically and basically, the, so the world as we know it has just gone fucking crazy. Uh, every they're they're like different chunks of of like uh, the world and and this dimension that operate just on bizarre dream logic, differing from like place to place. And on top of that, uh, there are individuals who have been tainted by this uh it's basically it's magic returning to the world and just causing havoc that's basically what it is but there are individuals who are being tainted by this magic court tried to channel it uh attempted you know sorcerers and mages who due to the fact that uh magic is just this incredible mutagenic force that cannot really be uh properly harnessed by anybody they are turned into these inhuman, if not in appearance, at least in mentality, borderline godlike beings who just become these like, they normally become like these psychotic, heinous, like uh, bestial things that tend to rule over their, their own areas and just torment and 
murder and torture, whatever comes near, just based on their own alien logic. But our main character is an exception. He... I love the exception. (laughs) He has an ability that no one else seems to have, where he is able to use magic in a way that does not uh, taint him. Because basically, when people use magic in this setting... They are like channeling it in their through themselves, through their bodies, you know, to cast spells and the like. But at some point, depending on how, you know, resilient the person is, they're going they're gonna turn. It's gonna change them like irreversibly and dramatically. But he is able to skirt this because he does not channel it through himself. Oh. He is a, basically what he does is that uh so in this setting, all individuals have a sort of ambient magic potential. Cool. Some of it is just greater than others because some of these individuals become, in the setting, they're, they're wizards, they're just wizards. But uh, he is able to unlock this ambient magic potential in body parts. And okay. basically use them as temporary focuses for magic. And because of the way that magic operates, being more of like a symbolic dream logic sort of thing, depending on what parts of the body he is able to sever from corpses or living individual or living individuals, uh, that is the sort of spell he's able to cast. Like I, I picture him like being in a fight with an individual where he like severs their fingers and he grabs them, points them at him, and they just fired beams of like magic energy that just decimate him or he's able to like pluck a guy's eye out and use it to like see through walls and shit that sort of thing and basically his his goal in this setting is not a heroic one it's not it's very self-serving he is trying to make a suit of armor out of the body parts of wizards because oh, no, <laughs> because when he, when he uses the parts of normal people, eventually it burns out because they can only take so much use. But wizard parts are eternal. So his logic is that if he is able to create a suit of armor from from out people. of all these from people, <laughs> though admittedly they're barely people at this point, he can survive and thrive with no chance of anyone human or wizard being able to fuck with him but of course being you know this unique talented individual there are people in this wasteland of a setting who are gonna seek out his help and try and get something from him because he's powerful and some people are trying to you know rebuild as best as they can and some are whether or not those, all those people have the best intentions, that's you know, that we're going to find that out. For sure. Wow. All right. <laughs> I, I'm here for it, man. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, well, that's some really cool stuff, Sawyer. Um, Thank you. Um, I'm excited for you. I'm really excited to see where all of your, your projects and all this effort that you're putting into them comes from and i love seeing um writers actively engaged in in creating their art um and i I say art because i genuinely believe that you know it is uh, you know it's our it's our art um 
and we're you know using it to express ourselves and and hopefully entertain and make other you know and, and please others um but um my hat's off to you i have loved this interview <laughs> i've loved talking with you and i've loved the, what you've shared about your love of music your love of screenwriting your um and the love you know the excitement of what you're working on um um i just hope you remember we liked you first <laughs> um but thank you so much for being on our podcast and letting us oh, feature you over the last two episodes it has been such a pleasure the pleasure is all mine i could not have been happier than to have this opportunity awesome um we're so grateful to have you and hopefully we are going to have you again in the future um we would be honored to to, to work with you again I'd love that. Awesome. Well, folks, you've heard it here first. Um, this has been an interview with Sawyer Grinswich, the author and creator of the Metal Fantasy Epic. Tune in next week for more awesome content.